Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization connecting people who are navigating herpes stigma to supportive resources. This includes community support groups as well as counseling, mental health services, if that's what's needed. And as you may have already heard if you listen to the podcast, but if it's your first time listening, this whole thing began as a suicide prevention resource for people who were struggling most with herpes stigma. And it's evolved into just a whole entire hub of support resources that are curated from the experiences of people who are navigating stigma themselves. So in this series, we're in the discordant dating series of this podcast. And um, we're on, I believe you're the fourth guest that I have here. Uh, You're someone who dates or has dated someone who has herpes and you've not tested positive yourself yet. So uh, yeah, thank you for offering to be a part of this and help with just sharing your perspective and having this on the podcast feed for hopefully people who are uh, living with herpes to be able to share or for people who haven't tested positive to be able to refer to uh, as they navigate dating a partner. You're welcome and thank you for having me. Cool. Uh, Do me a favor. As I'm talking, mute yourself. Let's see how that works. And then what I'll do. Okay, perfect. There was just an echo. Um, What I'll do then is just give you like a little hand gesture of when I'm finished talking and then you can unmute and go ahead. And if you feel like if you're ready to jump in, uh, like give me some sort of a signal because I will continue talking until I finish uh, thoughts. I'm recognizing that about myself. Uh, So let's start with. Uh, how did you find out about this and what made you want to participate and share your experience? Sure. Uh, well, my ex-girlfriend, uh, has herpes, HSC2, and she had come across a post on Instagram about this and, uh, it was directly relevant to like our experience where we went out for a while and, and she was positive and I was not, we had a bunch of discussions about this. And uh, she asked if I wanted to share my opinion, and I'm happy to participate. Thank you so much. So let's begin there. Um, I'm curious to know. I got to stop saying that. I've been saying that a lot for this series. (laughs) I'm curious to know is my new um. And then uh, I'm interested in those two things are my um and like buzzwords or phrases. So let's start with when your ex-girlfriend first shared her status with you. Uh, Tell me about how you met at that point of uh, which she disclosed to you, how that happened, and then how you processed it and made the decision to move forward with the relationship. Sure. Um, So uh, I had known her for a couple of years. We went to a, a fitness class together and we were friends, um, and uh, how detailed do you want me to get into, like, specifics around this? Yeah, I mean, just don't, don't say her name. I won't say her name, but, like, uh, you... well, she was into to pole dancing and pole dancing instruction and lap dancing instructions, and we were joking at the class that she was teaching a class on lap dancing, 
and I joked about how can I sign up for this class, and that led to her putting together an actual like one-on-one lap dance instruction for me. Like going, like she went all out. She did this amazing job of putting together a course for a guy on how to lap dance. Um, and uh, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, I had a couple of lessons, and we kept talking, and like chemistry was was growing. And uh, I invited her to a, a Christmas party that a friend of mine was was hosting and this was i think 2017 and like it was clear there was some chemistry there and uh so that wound up with a makeout session and then we decided we were going to hang out uh again a few days later and that was getting in it we were getting naked and she had said okay so hold on we've got to talk about something here and uh, that's when she said, I'm, I'm positive for HSV2. I take uh, a, a medication to suppress it. I haven't had an outbreak for, I don't remember how long it was. Um, and uh, I think she said something like, I understand if that's uh, a deal breaker or, or something along those lines. And uh, for me, um, I had relatively little experience with uh, HSV2 in the past, but I'd never, I had not had a serious partner uh, that had had that. Um, I had been kind of casually dating for a couple of years, and um, I had to, so we had to talk about it at, at that point in time. And um, she told me her understandings about it and talking about the impact of it. Uh, that it, it had on her life and really um, kind of some of the stigma that she felt that she either had to deal with or felt like she had to deal with. And from my perspective, um, I was thinking about what was what were really my concerns, right? And um, the long story short there is it really – it came down to the thing, the thing that I was most apprehensive about was really the stigma about it, right? Where when you, uh, I was familiar enough with HSV2 to understand kind of the impact of like, okay, you're, when you have these outbreaks being uncomfortable and potentially painful and annoying, but basically kind of an annoying skin condition. Um, and uh, that in the grand scheme of things being relatively minor versus the stigma of like just having to say, Hey, I've got HSV2 uh, being a responsible sex partner and sort of disclosing that, that stuff. And, um, being with somebody that I was really into right from the start. Right. And, um, so we talked about it and, uh, we were, we would have been using protection anyway, but uh, her uh, being informed about it, being able to talk with me about potential risks, taking steps to suppress it and being open to like, what are the things that we need to do to be safe um, uh, and, and minimize transmission rates, that, that I was okay with it. And um, 
relationship, uh, like over the months, we kind of progressed to, um, we started out, uh, using condoms and, um, just kind of being aware and, and, and with her, um, paying attention to her own feelings and saying, Oh, does it feel like maybe there's an outbreak that's going to happen? Cause she, uh, historically she had been able to feel things coming on like before, uh, they had, they had been happening. Um, we talked about, uh, when our relationship was getting more serious and we were, uh, exclusive, uh, talked about not using condoms and, and how that can be safe. And, uh, we had, I think we had misinterpreted something that was saying that you could use um, uh, medication that suppresses uh, symptoms as a as prophylactic, right? Thinking that meant that if I took some uh, of her medication, that would lessen my risks of transfer. Um, we did that for a while, um, and uh, and then as I kind of got more comfortable with the whole situation and again, our relationship was getting more and more serious, uh, stopped doing that. And we're just in, a uh, committed exclusive sexual relationship when we weren't using condoms at that time. And that was a couple of years ago. Um, I get, uh, I typically get SE tests every six months, just as I have it, regardless of what my relationship status is. Um, and, uh, I've tested negative every time since that, that relationship. Um, and we're, we're no longer, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, but we're still best friends. Uh, and yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, do you request herpes testing on top of your standard STD testing? testing HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, um, all the sort of standard stuff, right? But I, I explicitly request herpes uh, tests on top of the normal standard suite of tests. Did you know that you had to request that in addition to a standard STD test before having met your last partner? Yeah, I did. But I'm also, I'm a, maybe a little bit weird about, like, I, I think I'm pretty well informed about safe, responsible sex practices, but I also, like, I was the kid who, uh, I lost my virginity when I was 20, and I had had an STD test before I lost my virginity, just so I could be like, hey, I didn't randomly get something from some freak occurrence, right? So, um, I've always been pretty diligent about that and, and informed and knew that it was something that was like I had to specifically request. So I had already had, um, I was already aware of my HSV status uh, before going into this relationship. All right, perfect. Thank you for answering that for me. Uh, my next question is about the relationship and how similar it looked or different it looked being in a relationship and sexual with someone who has herpes versus someone who does not have herpes were there any differences there for you or similarities that you're comfortable speaking to sure uh, for the most part it was nearly indistinguishable right uh, the only differences were a little bit more 
extensive conversation at the start uh, because talking about the um, her status and, and mitigations and uh, risk and what we're comfortable with and not comfortable with. So there's more discussion at the start. It's a little bit simpler um, if, uh, when I've had those conversations in the past without having an HSV uh, status. Um, there was a little bit more awareness around um, when, like, if she was having some itching feelings or something like that, is that a precursor to an outbreak or is it just any number of things? Uh, I mean, honestly, she was way more worried about it that I was right. Once I decided that this was it's like, okay, you know what? I, 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 I love this person. I care about her. I like our time together and I'm going to accept that there's some risk here. The risk seems manageable and small, but there's some risk and, uh, I'm okay with that risk. So let's go forward. And it wasn't something that I thought about, um, that much after, after that fact. Right. Um, I think during our time together, she might have had one outbreak. Um, and so over the course of a couple of years, let's say like three-ish years or so, there might have been one outbreak. It was a little bit inconclusive. And it was, it was basically, it was like, okay, well, let's hold off on doing anything during that time, which it was fine. So but from a day-to-day perspective, it really... Uh, there was there was relatively little impact, um, other than maybe at discussions every once in a while. She's like, "Oh, I forgot to take my pill today. Hold on, let's." Or, or uh, yeah, but it was it was really something that she worried about a lot more than I did. Yeah, thank you for that. So, as someone who has tested negative for herpes and dated someone who has herpes, I'm curious to know. Oh, I did it again. Yep. <laughs> I'm believing it in there. I'm believing it in there. This is my, this is my like warning to do better. (laughs) Right? I'm not gonna judge. (laughs) Uh, My question originally was supposed to have been um, your concerns with getting herpes. So you said that initially you began using condoms and then you both made the decision to not use condoms and she just continued to be aware of her body and communicate anything that may have been uh, a potential prodrome symptom where an outbreak might be coming. So I'm curious, were you ever concerned about getting herpes? And if so, were you prepared to navigate what that meant? Yeah, um, I had, a, I mean, I had there, I had a little bit of concern. Um, and that's just part of sort of the risk assessment, right? When you, and, and really uh, a big part of safe, informed sex practice is doing some level of risk assessment and, and deciding what level of risk you're, you're comfortable with, whether it's from STDs or pregnancy or whatever, right? Because we're not talking about absolutes for any of this stuff, right? You can use multiple birth control methods and, like, there's still some risk there. So um, I, I, I already accept that 
sort of sexual relationship or really almost anything fun in life, there's some level of risk that you need to decide what your comfort level is. And um, so once I decided what my comfortable comfort level was, I, I part of doing that was thinking through what it meant if I did get uh, herpes from this relationship. And um, that's really where um, understanding what it meant and the actual symptoms and what the, like, the, I, get, I guess there's two aspects of it. There's the, the actual impact on my body and health, and then there's the social interaction side of it. So the impact on my body and health thing, like in the grand scheme of things, seemed incredibly minor. Right. Like it's just compared to a lot of other things, uh, a herpes outbreak is it seems like an annoyance rather than like something that's life threatening or or um, uh, going to have like some significant impact on my ability to function. The, the much bigger thing was like the, the potential social impact or or dealing with the stigma and um I looked at it like uh, I'm already I already thought I was a pretty good communicator about sex related topics and things like that and I looked at this as like okay so if if I, I wind up getting herpes and then this relationship comes to an end then I'm going to I'm gonna have to make disclosures like she did, right, to be a responsible partner. But she already demonstrated a great way to do that. Um, I knew that I would be capable of it. It wouldn't be fun. Like, it, it's, it's certainly easier to not have that sort of thing to disclose. But I was willing, I, I, I thought about it for a while. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm okay with, with if that happens, right? I'm okay with having those discussions and if anything, um, like I, I feel like I'm a pretty good person to have those those discussions because I know I would approach it from a pretty good perspective. Yeah, that was going to be that's a good lead into my next question, which was: Has there ever been a point where in the relationship you assumed that you had it, or she assumed that you had it? relationship is over and you still have a friendship did herpes have anything to do with the end of relationship or was there something just human about the end of the relationship or the transition into friendship yeah herpes had nothing to do with anything i mean we we all know this has been like a really tough time for everyone right with pandemic and everything like that um 
through a ton of transitions in my life and it was just it was not a good time or place for our relationship and so uh it felt like it was better for us to be friends at that time but it had nothing to do with her uh hsv status and i mean we're still friends there have been times after the relationship was over that you know there were some sexual interactions so (laughs) i just Okay, that's great. Thank you. Uh, I'm wanting to know if, and and this is, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and for full transparency, I view anyone who is disclosed to, or if someone shares their status with them, as an ally, if you will. And I speak to allyship in a sense of now when you go on to date and you have potential partners and you'll have these kinds of conversations, you have an awareness after having not only had a partner share their status with you, but also to be in a relationship with someone who has a positive status, who uh, you have had unprotected sex with, who has a positive status. And I want to know if this relationship has changed how you'll move forward in your dating or relationship structures um, or how you have conversations around sex and sexual health communication with partners as you move forward. Did anything change because of this relationship? Uh, yeah, I think it did. And to be fair, it wasn't just because of this relationship. Like it's it's been a journey over my history of relationships and uh, because I I had um, when I was more casually dating and meeting people I I went out with um, one or two people that disclosed pretty early on that they were HSV2 positive and we had some discussions about those and it wasn't really like those relationships didn't go anywhere or didn't get to the point that we were sexually intimate that I don't know I don't think it was because of that right it, it was it just didn't go that far but there was that disclosure up front which I greatly appreciated um, and um, if they had progressed to that point I don't know how I would have felt at that point in time because they were they were more casual and then um, I had gone out with somebody not too far before my ex-girlfriend that um, we had gotten to the point of we were being intimate together and she had also disclosed that she was HSV2 positive and and I was like okay I'm not sure because it it was in the moment and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do there Uh, and we talked about it and that was when I first kind of came to terms with like okay thinking really what's the what's what's the actual sort of risk and consequences and deciding if i was okay with that or not and at that point in time i was like okay you know what here's all the here's all the pros here's all the cons and in that moment it seemed to make sense and we ended up having protected sex at that time and i'm we're still friends but that never turned into any sort of relationship but for me that was i think that was a key stepping stone for me to transition to have like a had the conversation
conversation I did with my ex-girlfriend to be more more open to it because I had because I had already kind of crossed that threshold for the first time. Um, and so my approach to dating and these conversations and disclosures has, I think, evolved and matured over time. And it certainly has evolved and matured because of this experience, because now I feel like I can, I can talk about it from a much more informed place where it's, it's, yes, I have these, um, like anybody else, I have concerns about how do I have sexual relationships and be safe and, and protect my health, but while also having fun and enjoying everything that's great about sex. Uh, but now I can go in and say, hey, yeah, listen, I, I, I had this experience and, you know, it, it forced me to learn more about what the actual risk was and what we're talking about as consequences and being okay with that and realizing that, like, HSV2 it's uh, it, without the all the, the expectations of society around it in a vacuum it's pretty minor right and um so yes it, it has definitely changed and evolved uh, my perspective and approach while dating her or in the relationship with her had stigma emerged at all in your relationship dynamic certainly did um there's uh i i was lucky enough to be raised relatively shame free when it came to anything sex related or sexual topics or anything like that and um i think that it was there was a struggle for her to um history of, of, of stigma around this and I don't know that it was uh, from everything that we talked about because we talked a lot about HR dating histories as, as time went on and uh, like I had a lot of questions for her about how how it was for her dating with HSV2 and I don't think that she I don't recall her ever talking about an experience where she um was shut down or rejected specifically because of that, or I don't know that she she experienced some sort of direct significant stigma, um, but she certainly acted and felt like like she had. She was very um, worried about it and felt like she was really held back. Now I don't know also how much of it is that like she's really hot and cool and fun and right like. So that, that helps out the equation a little bit, but um, it, it really, where the stigma came into play is her own sort of thoughts about herself, right? And that affected some of her behavior, and um, and we, we talked about that a lot. We'd be like, hey, you, it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not judging you the way that you think that I'm judging you, or I'm not, the things that you're worried about, those are not even things that I'm thinking about. If that makes sense. Yeah, so that's how you supported her as stigma emerged for her. You just assured her that this isn't a problem for you and that, yeah, you're hot, you're fun, so I don't care about the herpes stigma. Is that kind of what you were able to offer her when those moments came up? 
was um, uh, really just making sure that she knew that the lines of communication were always open um, and that if she's having any of those doubts or concerns that she shouldn't be shy about sharing them, that she wasn't, that wasn't going to judge her for those things. Like, bring them up if you need, especially when we were going through, like, all the, the COVID times, right? We were talking about um, this concept of, like, love tanks, like your, your love tank being, like, a, a gasoline tank and how full is it and what are the things that you need to refill your tank and whether that's, like, all of us need different things, like, looking at love languages or whatever and sometimes it's that you need some reassurance right you're not feeling confident about something and that was something that that came up for her if she was feeling worried or not confident or apprehensive or whatever right that it's it's okay to say that and explicitly or implicitly ask for reassurance like there's nothing wrong with wanting and needing attention or reassurance like that's if you're in a relationship and it's a problem that you need attention or reassurance, that's that's a pretty serious relationship problem in my opinion, right? That should be something that you get from a relationship, any sort of healthy relationship. Yeah, thanks for speaking to that because uh, we will <laughs> go out and seek things outside of where we should feel safe getting them, whether that be in our communities, our friendships, our relationships, our careers, our passions, hobbies, interests, all of those things can influence how we show up to fill our love tank. If we're constantly, you know, going out and getting or seeking things that we should be getting in places that we feel safe, you know, how safe is that place that we're in? And that, that's a whole different topic of conversation. Uh, you sort of spoke to something that I'm recognizing to be a theme and there's no real politically correct way of saying this, but I think that attractiveness does in fact play a role, like how attracted you are to someone, not necessarily if they're attractive or not, but whether or not you're attracted to someone, um, that that does play a role in how much further you go with this person. I don't know how much, I can't really speak to that, but in all of the conversations, what I'm hearing consistently is that the person that they, that the person who was negative for HSV moved forward with was someone that they were attracted to and they were attracted physically as well as other things. You mentioned that she's hot and that she's fun. And I'm sure there are other aspects of her being that you were drawn to as well. So if this were someone that you may have seen incompatibilities with or they weren't someone who expressed some of the values or characteristics that you're typically drawn to, would it have even gotten to the point of her having to disclose her herpes status to you? And if it did get to that point, would incompatibilities have been something that kept you from moving forward with her? That's a good question. And I think it's, um, I, I doubt this is specific to me, but, um, I know that just in dating in particular, like attractiveness, it, it's a complicated equation, right? Where it's, 
right? That makes me more willing to overlook other inconveniences, right? I think that's probably true for everybody where it's like, normally I hate commuting, but there's been times when I've dated people that live 45 minutes away from me because I was really into them for other reasons. Whereas if I wasn't into them for those reasons, right, I would be like, nah, 45 minutes, that's too far, right? For me, uh, herpes disclosure is basically the same sort of thing. It's, it's, it's some, it's an inconvenience that, that factors into the whole thing. Um, it's a pretty small one for me at this point in time. I think now that I've had like some pretty significant long-term positive experiences and understanding that, um, I guess at this point in time, it would be a non-factor for me because of the experiences that I'd had. But before I had gone out with her, it probably would have been a small factor for me where, um, uh, it, it might've been a small factor for me. I doubt it would have been the deciding factor, but now it's not, what I care about is that my partner's informed and that they're taking steps to, to control it. And like, and if they are, then I'm fine with that. Right. And, and uh, I had read something a long time ago that I think someone had said that it's their appraisal was that it was lower risk to have sex with somebody who has HSV two and is aware of their status than having sex with somebody who is unaware of their status. And at least from my limited experience, I agree with that. Um, because if you're informed and you're know and you're taking the steps to both take care of yourself and protect your partner, then that to me, uh, I think is, that that puts me at ease a lot more. So I don't know if that, if that answers your question. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very very small to non-existent factor at this point in time for me. Perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> I I couldn't have asked for a better response because you speak to it as an inconvenience, just like commuting would be, and that's something I want people to you know sit with because there are compatibilities and compatibilities, and you you just kind of know yourself. I had a partner reject me because she didn't want to take the precautions, and she was like, I'm a very sexual person. I know that I'm not going to want to always wear condoms in order to keep myself from contracting herpes. I'm not always going to, you know, be someone who wants to take any additional precautions. She may just want to see me and be able to jump on my dick without having to stop and put on a condom or check in about outbreaks. And this was a this was a conversation that we had. And, you know, I have to respect that everyone has their limitations, their boundaries, their rules, their values, things that are important to them. And so for some people, it's commuting. And the way that we look at a person's, you know, rejection of wanting to move forward sexually after sharing a positive herpes status with them it shouldn't be any different than, oh, I don't like commuting. Oh, I want kids and you don't. I fall under this religion and you don't. I am on this side of the political spectrum. I want to travel the world and you want to live in Des Moines, Iowa, right? There are all of these different factors 
that we just completely overlook that make us significantly more incompatible uh, or not a fit for one another than just someone's herpes diagnosis. Like if you're someone who lives a mile away from a potential partner and you're attracted to them, all of the compatibilities seem there and they just have herpes. I hope that you were able to listen to this podcast episode, listen to this series and take into consideration, you know, where your values are, what is more important to you and why is you know, dating someone who has herpes uh, so much more important to you. Uh, like if that's the deal breaker, the fact that someone has herpes, I, I, I want to reword what I said. I'm sorry. Why is it that someone having herpes is the deal breaker? Whereas, you know, they're close, maybe in the grand scheme of compatibilities and incompatibilities, that may carry more weight than other things. And it's kind of like you said, you know, there may be a little bit of leeway for someone that you like more, that you're more attracted to, that you more you you see more of a long-term future with or you're more compatible with. But we shouldn't allow something like herpes that's so misrepresented in media, the information that's out there is inconsistent, and really all we have to draw from for experience and information are the lived experiences of people who have navigated herpes stigma themselves. So I'm going to hop off my soapbox and I'm going to ask you another question here. And that's... Wait, let me chime in one more, one little bit on that point, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing for me also um, that I think, I mean, so I've had a fair amount of dating experience and online dating. Uh, to me, this is, it's, there's potentially also a benefit um, for someone who's HSV too positive. Um, it's kind of a good litmus test, I think, for judging somebody's maturity around sex and their attitude towards sex where it's um and i bring this up because i like i talk with a lot of my friends about their dating experience and most of my friends are women and 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 a common theme is something coming up early on that they're disappointed about and that finding out about their partner and struggling with understanding that it's like, hey, it's actually good that you found that out early because like that just saved you a bunch of problems down the road. And I feel like it's it's probably similar with the you give an HSV two disclosure and if somebody can't handle that or that is a deal breaker, right, then you're probably dodging a bullet, right? Because they're not like, in what other ways are they not going to be um, maybe mature or evolved about this? And it's uh, the, 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 the empathy that I feel for, for someone, for anybody who has an HSV2 disclosure, like, it sucks, but it probably means that you need to, you, you're kind of forced to mature and evolve your own attitude towards sexuality because it's like, okay, well, now I have to be a responsible person i need to understand this and i need to be able to talk about it and it sucks to be forced into that situation and i'm sorry about that but it's but there's a benefit there 
from my perspective, at least. Thank you for that. Do you have any guidance, advice of someone who just was disclosed to by someone who has genital herpes and they find this podcast episode because they're on the fence about whether or not to move forward with that person or they are you know, still just maybe a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of potentially getting herpes, what guidance, what advice do you have for someone who's in that place right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, first off, I think that you, you, you should understand what you're actually talking about. So learn about what it means to be HSV2 positive. Um, learn what you're actually talking about, what, um, uh, what's going to be the impact, right, if, if, you, if you get HSV2 from this, this person, right, and understand what that is. And, and when I say understand it, like really understand um, the actual like physiological impact rather than the, the stigma side of it, right? So like, and, and decide or, or think about how serious or not serious or whatever. And then the second part of it is, I think, think about, um, think about the stigma side of it and how that uh, might affect you, but how it's been affecting your partner. Um, and um, I guess think about also what role you want to play um, in that whole scheme. And like part of it for me was not, was that it, it feels like, like she was in a very unfair situation. Like it sucks. Like when, when something comes up, you're in this, this situation and it's not because she was careless or anything like that. Right. Um, so now she's, she's dealing with this, this, uh, being, being HSG too positive And that, that felt very unfair to me. And I didn't want to be somebody that was perpetuating that fairness. Um, I guess I would also suggest figuring out, um, what's maybe, uh, a staggered or graduating or evolving, uh, approach to, trying things out and being safe with them. Like maybe, maybe it's, if you're into somebody and, and they disclose to you and you're not totally comfortable, then you do very low risk sexual things with them and see how the relationship progresses. And then in kind of an informed fashion, sort of slowly increase the risk. And that, I mean, that's what we did just probably not, it was probably a, a lot bigger chunks uh, and a somewhat fast escalation, but each, as I was comfortable with one thing, then I was more comfortable considering the next thing, right? Um, so I think that would be my advice. Get informed about it and then think about, is there is there a way to slowly scale up uh, what what risk you're, you're comfortable with? Damn, everybody should be able to have a conversation like this, a free-flowing dialogue exchange between someone who does have herpes and someone who does not have herpes. And I, I speak to herpes exclusively 
on this podcast because that's what brings people here. But this is metaphorically interchangeable with just about anything. So a conversation about what you want about who you are, about characteristics, values that are important to you. We should be able to speak to these things in an open dialogue way with one another. So it doesn't matter where the differences are or where like we in our heads may think, oh, if I share this piece of vulnerable information about myself to this other person, they're going to run for the hills. Just like our guest said, if they run for the hills, good riddance. It's a litmus test. Like, are you someone who is going to be around when that becomes an issue or are you going to run away? I would much rather know that now as I disclose this vulnerable piece of information to you when the investment is a little bit lower than years down the line when we have a family together and we share a bank account and then all of a sudden, you know, a limb breaks and I have to be cared for in a wheelchair for a while or God forbid, you know, if one of the partners gets sick and then the other person just can't handle that, right? You want to know right away if this is someone worth investing your future or investing in the future with or investing your time and energy into now so that you don't look back and go, damn, I just wasted this many months or years of my life with someone that I'm not even compatible with or that I can't even be myself around. Because we also do this thing I'm noticing where we meet, match, swipe on each other, whatever, and we're getting the best of other people presented in the way that they want to be seen. We're presenting ourselves at our best in the way that we want to be seen. So how about putting ourselves in a position to be seen as we are and through some shared moment of vulnerability, such as a herpes diagnosis with a potential partner, that is a great way of demonstrating vulnerability. And I invite everyone to consider, you know, even if it's not herpes, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a mental health status uh, shift. Maybe it's something in relation to finances or an insecurity in general. We should be able to offer that and use that as a way of determining how the other person would respond to something similar, such as a positive herpes diagnosis. All right, my man, is there? Oh, go ahead. I was just about to ask if there was anything you wanted to add. Yeah, let me chime in one other thing when you're asking for advice for somebody who's, uh, who's negative and considering this. I think the last thing that I would say is don't be an asshole about it. And I, hopefully that's, a, that's okay, right? Like if, if you decide that it's not something that you're comfortable with, that's on you. That's not, that's not them, right? So uh, there's, <laughs> it's not a very difficult thing to manage the risk and be safe about it and and if that's something that you're not up for, that's not a judgment on you, but it's that's a that's a you thing, that's not a them thing. Meaning the, the person who's negative, right? That's if, if, yeah. So anyway, don't be an asshole. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? I'm going to go ahead and close this out and then I can let you go and we'll touch base when uh, this podcast episode is going to be released. Uh, I, I think that's everything. I just want to say I, I love the work you're doing. I think it's a really positive, good message. So keep on doing it. 
And yeah, way to go. <laughs> Thank you for being part of this. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast. As far as the nonprofit goes, remember, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can check out uh, the website www.spfpp.org and you can see options to donate. You can join our Patreon page to subscribe if you want to make monthly donations to support our continued efforts to getting people connected to the support support resources they need, as well as the advocacy and creation of an inspiration of allyship in this space. You see the series on the discordant dating um, relationships uh, at this point. Uh, this is one of the like, I, I think I'll be done. <laughs> this will be up in April for sure. And right now it's January 20th. So I've been putting in a ton of work uh, to get this lined up to where I can focus on um, just trying to bring some money in so that we can get back into offering therapy resources. So all the donations are helping and supportive of continuing that mission, uh, the mission that is much more clearly highlighted on the website at the time of this podcast release, I'm sure, because I've revamped the board. Our board meeting is uh, January 26th, and I'll be inducting, or I will have inducted new people already. And yeah, the mission is just continuing. We serve people who are living with herpes in support of them being able to navigate stigma and uh yeah that's that's what we do that's what we have been doing and uh, our advocacy extends into the space of people who also date people with herpes who might be exposed to herpes who might work in the field and into the field of std prevention and mental health so Sexual health is mental health, and you hear it throughout this podcast. We highlight the interconnectedness of the two, and we bring on the lived experiences of people who navigate that thin line, if you will. So, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for continuing to support this. And till next time, stay sex positive.